A big welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Evidence-Based Hair Podcast. I'm dermatologist Dr. Jeff Donovan. The Evidence-Based Hair Podcast was produced by the Donovan Hair Academy. It was created for hair loss practitioners, as well as all those that wish to dive into the fascinating and ever-changing world of hair loss. Each week, I review studies that are changing how we think about hair loss. I'll introduce them to you, help you make sense of them, and then give you my thoughts on how a given study just might change how we diagnose or treat hair loss. The references for all these studies are in the show notes that accompany this episode. Vaccines are known to trigger alopecia areata in some cases, and there's good data to support that hepatitis B vaccine can cause alopecia areata in some patients. Now again, these aren't common, but it's well recognized. Shingles vaccine, HPV, influenza, Japanese encephalitis. These are vaccines that have some data suggesting that they can trigger alopecia areata. And now we have the COVID vaccine on that list as well. So why do vaccines trigger alopecia areata? Or why do infections trigger alopecia areata? Well, of course, it's not clear, but it's thought that epitopes derive from the virus or the vaccine, resemble epitopes that exist in the human and can trigger alopecia areata. So as the immune system goes and attacks the virus, or as the immune system goes and recognizes a vaccine that's been injected into the arm, the immune system mounts a response, and it just so happens that the response is the same response that can affect tissues. So really nice study in clinical immunology, October 2023, by Wang and colleagues, set out to look at a very tough question, and that is how does COVID vaccines trigger alopecia areata? The title of their paper, Clinical Characteristics and Immune Profiles of Patients with Immune-Mediated Alopecia Associated with COVID-19 Vaccinations. So here the author set out to better understand the mechanisms by which COVID vaccines can trigger alopecia areata. They recruited patients that had alopecia areata after receiving a COVID vaccine, and they compared their data to patients that did not have alopecia areata from vaccines. And in their study, they had 27 patients with new-onset vaccine-related alopecia areata, and they compared their data to 106 controls who received the vaccine and didn't develop alopecia areata. The mean age of patients was 38.2 in those that received the vaccine and developed alopecia areata, about 63% were women, and in this study there was no statistically significant difference between sex and age between these two groups. So these 27 patients who developed alopecia areata after a vaccine, 41% of them received the Moderna vaccine, 30% of them received the Pfizer vaccine, and about 26% received AstraZeneca, and there was another 4% that received other vaccines. Most patients, 60% had alopecia areata occurring after the second dose, 22% after the first dose, 
and 19% after the third and fourth dose of the vaccine. So the authors looked at what were the changes in blood tests that occurred in patients that developed alopecia areata after the vaccine. And they found that three blood tests were particularly elevated in patients with alopecia areata that that, uh, had just received the vaccine. These were a positive ANA, an increased total IgE level, and eosinophilia. 20% of the alopecia areata patients had ANA positivity compared to 4% of controls. 45.5% of alopecia areata patients had a total IgE increase compared to just 10% of controls. And almost 30% of alopecia areata patients had eosinophilia compared to 10% of controls. And so the authors dove even deeper, looking at 23 different cytokines, chemokines, and inflammatory proteins in the blood. And they found that patients with vaccine-induced alopecia areata had higher levels of CCL18 and granulysin compared to controls. And for those of you who are not aware, CCL18 is produced by antigen-presenting cells. It's involved in the innate and adaptive immune system and plays a role in attracting immune cells. Granulysin is a pro-inflammatory molecule. It's expressed by NK cells and activated T cells. So the authors here show data to support the notion that the spike protein and excipients, particularly PEG2000 and polysorbate 80, stimulate T cells in susceptible patients to produce interferon, granulysin, and granzyme B. And they they found this by using a lymphocyte activation test. And these authors here are really experts in these particular types of tests. And they showed during this, by doing this in vitro lymphocyte activation test, that these vaccine excipients, polyethylene glycol 2000 and polysorbate 80, or the spike protein, either the spike protein or these excipients could stimulate these T cells to produce these chemicals. And so all in all, the authors concluded that the spike protein and these excipients that are found in the vaccines, polyethylene glycol 2000 and polysorbate, could trigger T cell mediated cytotoxicity, which in turn contributes to what they feel is the pathogenesis of COVID vaccine-induced alopecia areata. So before we go on, it's helpful to talk about excipients. Excipients are added to vaccines for specific purposes. They include things like preservatives that prevent contamination, like thimerosal, adjuvants that stimulate an immune response, like aluminum salts, and then stabilizers to keep the vaccine functioning when it's stored or transported. Those are things like sugars that are added to the vaccine. Now, there's a long literature of immune-type hypersensitivity reactions that have been described with polyethylene glycols and polysorbate excipients in vaccines. PEG-2000, polyethylene glycol 2000, is used in mRNA vaccines in the Pfizer vaccine and the Moderna vaccine, and polysorbate 80 
is in the AstraZeneca vaccine. These are excipients in those two vaccines. Polyethylene glycol 2000 is a really important excipient for us to know about. It's in the mRNA vaccines. The mRNA molecules contained in the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines are stabilized by lipid nanoparticles, which are pedulated to help improve how they get into cells. Polyethylene glycol is obtained by the polymerization of ethylene glycol and can be found at different molecular weights depending on the length of the chain. And higher molecular weights are more likely to cause allergy. And so PEG-2000 is a 2,000 kilodalton molecular weight. And PEG-2000 is well known to be a culprit in these hypersensitivity reactions. Polysorbate is found in the AstraZeneca vaccine. They increase the overall solubility of the vaccine, and it's increasingly recognized that allergy to polysorbate uh, is a real thing. But a lot of the studies have come from PEG-2000. So really fascinating data here suggesting that the spike protein, PEG-2000, are the key components of the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines that are triggering these autoimmune alopecia areata reactions. Now, what was really nice in this particular study is the authors also outlined how patients were treated when they developed alopecia areata. Prior studies have suggested that if you get alopecia areata from COVID vaccines, it's a, it's a tough type of alopecia areata. It's more widespread, it's more severe, and may need more aggressive treatments. But in this particular study, 52% of patients had a complete response to treatment, 41% had a partial response, and 7% had no response. The patients, the 27 patients, were treated with topical therapies, all of them, topical minoxidil, DPC, topical steroids, and 80% had topical, had systemic treatments, methotrexate, cyclosporin, baricitinib, tofacitinib, systemic steroids. And all in all, 92% of patients had some sort of improvement. But not everyone had a complete response. Only 50% had a complete response. But it's an interesting study. It's really the largest cohort study to date to provide us with information on the clinical characteristics and immune profiles of patients that develop alopecia areata from COVID vaccines. And what's so important here is the authors pinpoint that vaccine excipients, PEG-2000 in particular in Moderna and Pfizer, and polysorbate 80 in the AstraZeneca, as well as the spike protein, are important culprits in causing alopecia areata in susceptible people. So taken together, the authors propose that some patients develop alopecia areata after COVID vaccines through specific CD4 and CD8-mediated immune reactions triggered by these excipients or spike protein. And they show very nicely that it may be possible when you see a patient with alopecia areata to consider ordering IgE levels, ANA, and eosinophil levels. It's not a perfect measure, but if those are increased quite a bit above baseline, there's a suggestion that maybe, just maybe, it was caused by a vaccination if there's a recent history of vaccination. Now, it's not a perfect test, and some patients who didn't have alopecia areata also had elevations, but it was far fewer people.
we can't routinely yet harvest lymphocytes from our patients, send them out for these lymphocyte activation tests and figure out if patients are likely to develop reactions from excipients and spike proteins. That's certainly a way of the future to do this sort of personalized medicine, but that can't be done right now. But nevertheless, this is a really nice study teaching us that spike proteins and excipients are important triggers here. So here we have this, this information that alopecia areata can be triggered by vaccines. And last week we learned in a very nice study by Lim and colleagues that COVID vaccines in some patients reduce the chances of developing alopecia areata and alopecia totalis. And so there's a number of studies now teaching us that some patients develop alopecia areata after COVID vaccines. And there's a nice systematic review in the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery in January 2023 by Pastukova discussing this subject of COVID-induced alopecia areata, COVID vaccine-induced alopecia areata. So it seems like there's three phenomena for you to know about. One is where COVID infection can cause alopecia areata. The second is where COVID vaccines reduce the chance of people developing alopecia areata. And the third is a phenomenon where COVID vaccines induce alopecia areata. And I think all three of these are possible. At first glance, it seems that it's rather bizarre that you can get all three of these phenomena happening. But I think it's possible. The immune system is extremely complex. And the immune system of one person has seen very different antigens in their lifetime than another person. So nobody has the same immune system. And so there likely are people that are protected from alopecia areata from COVID vaccines, and there's likely people that are triggered to develop alopecia areata from COVID vaccines. We don't really have a good understanding of which is which. It's tempting to say, oh, if you have a family history, if you've had alopecia areata in the past, then maybe you're more likely. Well, we don't know that. Some people with past alopecia areata get alopecia areata from COVID infection. Some patients with alopecia areata in the past get new alopecia areata from vaccines. So we need more studies, but I think it's reasonable to be aware of these mechanisms that some people are protected by vaccines and some people are harmed by the vaccines in terms of their risk of alopecia areata. A nice study by Jenko and colleagues in skin appendage disorders in March looks again at this topic of COVID vaccine-induced alopecia areata. There was a lot of studies in 2021 looking at this, 2022 kind of petering out now. It's just a few studies in 2023. I think people are well aware of this. So the journals aren't quite as packed with this concept. But Jenko and colleagues report five more patients 
to add to our growing list of patients who get alopecia areata after COVID vaccines. This study in skin appendage disorders describes five patients, four females and one male with a mean age of 32, all had a history of alopecia areata in this study. Four of those five patients had no evidence of alopecia areata right now. One had mild disease. But all five patients developed flares of alopecia areata within one to three weeks of the vaccine. The vaccine was Pfizer in two, Moderna in three. And what the authors point out here is that in four of the five patients, subsequent doses, receiving further doses of the COVID vaccine over time, didn't cause worsening of the alopecia areata, but in one patient it did. It had what they call a booster effect. Now, in other studies, further doses of COVID vaccines definitely worsened alopecia areata, so we don't really know what to make of this data. What do you advise patients who've had flares of alopecia areata with COVID vaccines? Well, you have to take it on a case-by-case basis. If you're at risk for severe disease, if there's reason for you to receive a COVID vaccine, then all those issues need to be factored into your decision that you discuss with your doctor. But it's tempting in this study by Jenko and colleagues to say that subsequent doses didn't really worsen it, so it's okay to get more doses. Not all studies show that. Some studies show that when you get the next dose, it gets even worse. So we have to be careful concluding too much from this Jenko et al. study. But nevertheless, it's a really nice report in skin appendage disorders. I really like this study. Very nicely documented. Not all reports of COVID vaccine-induced alopecia areata have been in patients with prior histories. Some patients in these studies have had history of alopecia areata in the past. Some have not. Some have just developed alopecia de novo from the vaccine. But it's amazing in these studies just how fast alopecia areata occurs. In three patients here, it was in two weeks. In one patient, it was one week after getting the vaccine. And in one patient, it was three weeks after getting the vaccine. So two really nice studies this week addressing this concept of COVID vaccine-induced alopecia areata. We reviewed this study by Wang and colleagues in clinical immunology, where they, f- where they f- looked at the mechanisms by which COVID vaccines might cause alopecia areata. And by studying 27 patients and comparing data to 106 controls, they showed that the spike protein in excipients, especially polyethylene glycol 2000 in the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine, are key culprits in triggering T-cell-mediated cytotoxicity. What a wonderful study. Then we looked at this study by Jenko and colleagues in skin appendage disorders. Five more patients on the growing list of probably 10 or 15 studies now, describing that some patients get alopecia areata after COVID vaccines. And here patients developed alopecia areata within one to three weeks of getting the COVID vaccine. I want to thank you so much for joining me this week. Next week, we're back talking about JAK inhibitors, two fascinating studies about side effects of JAK inhibitors. You can contact us anytime. We're at info at Donovan 
hairacademy.com. For those of you who are interested in joining me for the 2024-2025 Evidence-Based Hair Fellowship training program, I remind you that we're just a few days away from the deadline to apply. You can contact info at donovanhairacademy.com for more information. You can connect with us on X, formerly Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, using the Donovan Medical handle. We're open 24 hours a day. The donovanmedical.com website has lots of great articles dating back 11 or 12 years now. Lots of good stuff there. You can subscribe to our blog articles and you'll get emails to your inbox as soon as they're published on our Donovan Medical website. Our question of the week is a good resource for many people to think about hair loss questions in ways that you might not have thought about before. And that's under the education tab on the Donovan Medical website. And you can also see our upcoming webinars on the education tab as well. I say goodbye for now. I thank you so much for joining me this week. And I look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of the Evidence-Based Hair Podcast. <music>